Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, Indianapolis Colts Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. As always, it is a great day to be great. And as always on these editions of the podcast, I am joined by Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, the man himself, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Hey, Dwayne. What's up? It's a throwback team, Ian. Teams that, like, I think a 1950s head coach would have loved. Going to run the ball with the quarterback. Going to run the ball with the running back. Gonna run the ball with whoever the other running back is. Might run the ball with a receiver. Like we'll see what happens. I think the Colts are gonna run the ball a lot. Shout out to uh, Yahoo Sports Matt Harmon for coining this originally. The Indianapolis Colts are first team all off the bus squad, having Richardson, Taylor, Jelani Woods, Mo Ali Cox, just absolutely terrifying human beings that they're gonna have out there on their offense. But we'll see if they can actually rack up some fantasy points as we always try to do on this podcast. So guys, gonna go through all the positions and get through our takes on that and get the win total at the end. But first of all, I wanna talk about some of the turnover from last year to this year and the coaching staff and the roster over. Overall, with the Frank Reich era being over, we do now have Shane Steichen in, formerly the Eagles offensive coordinator, and was actually taking over play calling duties eventually from Nick Sirianni. So we also have offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, who spent 2022 as the Jaguars passing game coordinator. He's best known for being the Lions offensive coordinator from 2016 to 2018. So Steichen has already confirmed that he will be calling plays this year. And just looking at it, what I see with Steichen, which is awesome, Dwayne, and I think every single offensive coordinator should be like this, but alas, they are not. He's done a good job molding the offense to the talents of his players. With the Eagles last year, look, they beat the shit out of everyone, man. So by the time the fourth quarter came around, they usually didn't need to pass the ball. So they end up being a really run-first team when you look at just their raw rush attempts. But in terms of pass rate overexpected, they actually had the 10th highest mark in the league last year. Now, in 2021, didn't have A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. You know, they tried to open it up early on in the year. Wasn't going well. They really shifted focus, and they finished 30th in pass rate overexpected. But you look at Steichen with the 2020 Chargers, 21st. And the exciting thing, Dwayne, is the entire way they have kept things moving fast with the Eagles number one and number five in situation neutral pace. And with the Chargers, they were also fists. So I'm going to guess with Anthony Richardson under center and without having that many, you know, high profile wide receivers with all due respect to Michael Pittman Jr., I think this is going to be a run first offense, but they might move at a fast enough pace to theoretically still get that, you know, fantasy relevant pass catcher, maybe just maybe two. I don't know what the efficiency is going to look like. And again, I do think this will be one of the league's more run heavy offenses, but overall thoughts on, I guess, what Stegen can bring here, Dwayne, because even if it's not going to be the biggest boom, the top five scoring offense in 2023, I do think this offense is in good hands moving forward. Yeah, I, I think you hit a, couple of key things there like one he has shown an ability to really you know to mold the offense around the talent that he has so i think that's going to be a big positive um i think in terms of like what we could see as far as pace to your point it could look a lot like the bears last year and i know some folks will look at that and be like well, wow the bears didn't really run enough plays but it could have been way worse but because they were willing to you know leave more time on the playcock whenever they were snapping the ball each time the Bears actually were able to, you know, at least stay reasonable you know, like in their plays per game. And I think you'll see a very similar offense with the Colts this year. And they're also going to trail, right? Right now, they're only expected to win six, six and a half games um, based on Vegas. The average line in their games, looking at Superbook and averaging it out for the season across all 17 games is minus 2.6. So historically, when you look at teams that have projected that way, going to be plenty of time trailing. But I do think they're going to remain like Chicago last year, even though they trailed a lot. 
still going to be a team that will manage to stick to the run. And a lot of it does tie to the rookie quarterback. I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. We can get more into Richardson in a minute. But the, the main thing there, right, is a lot of the dropbacks turn into scrambles. So the, the teams that you see every year that run the ball the absolute most. So when I say run the ball the absolute most, they only drop back to pass like 52% of the time. Last year you had uh, Atlanta or actually Chicago was number one in the league and they were below 50%. You rarely see that, but the way you get there is with a scrambling quarterback. And again, that was for the Bears who were trailing. So I think you'll see something very similar for the Colts this year. Even though they're going to trail, I think they will try to stick to their guns. A lot of the dropbacks will turn into scrambles with Richardson. And that's going to make it tough for the receivers to have some big years. Not saying we don't like some of these receivers and that they might not be able to do something. It's just there's not going to be a huge pie to be divvied up among these guys. Um, and you mentioned like the off the bus, all, you know, world team. <laughs> They're also built from a standpoint, if they want to run multiple tight ends, like, and just bang on people, you got it. Jel- Jelani Woods and Mo Alley Cox. Oh my God. Like that's just, you know, that's amazing personnel. If you want to come out, create mismatches in the red zone, but also just set things up to run the ball more. And you got Jonathan Taylor. So to me, like when I look at the way the talent stacks up, you look at the young quarterback, you look at the you know proclivity to want to scramble for Richardson. I think it all adds up to no matter how often they trail, you're just going to see a team that's going to run the ball a lot. And that's rare. It's hard to find a team that can trail as much as the Colts probably will and still run the ball that much. And just looking at kind of their offseason additions and subtractions in the passing game, you just kind of see that point reinforced. Paris Campbell went ahead and went to the Giants, and they only replaced him with Isaiah McKenzie on a small one-year deal. They brought in Brashad Perryman for some depth. They drafted Josh Downs in round three. But again, those are not exactly needle movers in terms of, you know, one wide receiver coming in and making this into a pass-first unit. So yes, it is Anthony Richardson being the key, the one, the only major, major offseason addition. Although we do have some people still hopeful, Dwayne, that the mustache man himself, Gardner Minshew, who signed a one-year $3.5 million, maybe, just maybe, starts off with the job. I am very doubtful because 21 of 26 quarterbacks drafted inside the top 10 since, I believe, 2000. might have been 2010. I think it was 2010 that I did this study. 21 of 26 drafted inside the top 10 went on to start at least 10 games. Jake Locker, the only one to get that true redshirt year and not start a single game. I am on record when it happened, sent out the tweet. I might've had a couple of beers, Dwayne, but I will have to print out that tweet and eat that tweet. Should Gardner Minshew start week one ahead of Anthony Richardson? So that's how confident I am. Dwayne, you have been, you know, not talking about eating piece of paper. You're actually doing raw projections, which are a bit, you know, more of an adult thing to do. Where do you have Richardson Minshew split? Again, I think Richardson is going to be out there week one through week 18, as long as he is healthy enough to do so. Do you think there's any chance we see Minshew start the season with the job? I made it 15 games for Richardson, two for Minshew. Most players, if they don't have any sort of injury history, I make 16. But for a rookie like this with just good enough, a good enough backup, I gave a chance that Minshew's there week one, right? Um, you know, or just picks up a start somewhere along the way. Richardson misses a game. So I've got him at 15 games rather than 16. But as we continue to see what's going on in camp, like once we hear Richardson's the starter, I'll just adjust it to 16, you know, and that's just honestly giving every player one game they could miss or two halves of a game where they miss due to injury um, when I do the projection. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning very, very strongly into Richardson like you are. With Richardson, my pre-draft comp was Mewtwo, you know, the most baller Pokemon of all time because he can do absolutely everything out there. Perfect 10 relative athletic score. 
4440 yard dash at six foot four, 224 pounds. The man nicknamed himself Cam Jackson in the 11th grade because he's just trying to make big plays, just like Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. And you watch the guy play, and it's honestly not that crazy of a thing to nickname yourself, which again, the fact that he can not only get away with nicknaming himself, but then doing such a freaking, you know, daunting nickname like that. It's like it's, uh, Baby Gronk before Baby Gronk. Yeah, like yeah, but- <laughs> actually proven baby Gronk out there. <laughs> like, my goodness. And then so, again, you, you guys, all these rookies that, again, especially one like Richardson that was getting all the hype. Like, I'm sure you guys know plenty about him. But just real quickly, Dame Brugler's final summary from his always uh, excellent The Beast. Overall, Richardson's volatile accuracy and decision-making cloud his evaluation, but he is a freak show talent with special size, speed, and arm strength, and he put enough promising plays on film to be optimistic about his potential ceiling. He fits an RPO or NFL vertical passing offense that will also utilize his athleticism, but he needs on-field reps and a patient coaching staff willing to weather the early storm. And that's the part that I found interesting the more I read about Richardson from people that just know more about scouting quarterbacks than I do. It's not even that he's raw from like his processing and what he's trying to do out there. He's raw because he hasn't actually had all the reps. This was a guy that was playing wide receiver at first in high school. I believe he got hurt his senior year in high school. And then he was working behind Kyle Trask uh, at his early parts of Florida. So he just hasn't had that many starts Dwayne. But again, you get drafted with the number four overall pick. We're expecting him to be out there. And once he is out there, we just don't see guys like this playing quarterback. So if we are going to pass on the Jalen Hurts, on the Josh Allens, on those guys that you need to use, a third, if not a second round pick to acquire. If there is someone out there, Dwayne, that can give us that dual threat alien upside at a cheaper part of the draft. I agree. I think guys like Deshaun Watson have a better chance than Anthony Richardson, but I think there's Watson. I think there's Anthony Richardson. And I think Daniel Jones and a healthy version of Kyler Murray can also provide that. And that's about it, man. That's what we're working here, where I'm not saying that it's, he's a sure slam thing dunk we saw with Malik Willis last year. You cannot just be this run-first quarterback and expect everything else to work out fine. But as we saw with the difference in draft capital, I think those comparisons yeah. would be a bit extreme. Anthony Richardson, for me, QB 10 entering this year. And I'll say this, man, I don't think he's going to rise much higher than that. That is where he's being drafted right now. But I think it's reasonable and it's exciting, man. I've enjoyed clicking on that draft button. Yeah, I mean, he accounted for 17% of the design rushing attempts, uh, you know, at Florida. So this is a guy that's going to be in that range with, I believe at this level, it's going to go up. Like we see that the, the primary two, right, are Lamar Jackson as well as Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen's big too, but he's a step down from that. But those guys have 20 to 25% of their is that team Fields is too? rushing. Uh, yeah, sorry, Fields is the other one that's there. Okay. Yes, good call out. Um, now, Fields... He goes bonkers because then he sprinkles on top a 12% scramble rate, you know, which just basically like sends him off the chain. Um, Richardson's scramble rate in college was 8.4% per his dropbacks. But again, another guy that could be 9, 10%, especially early in his career. But I think the big thing here for me with Richardson, like when I was forecasting for him this weekend and looking at his rushing yards, it's just hard, Ian, to keep him under 750. And and that's that's with him playing 15 games and not playing 17. And if you can get to 750 yards rushing, you know, even if you only throw for 3,000 yards passing, you're going to be in the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks. And if by some chance you're just better than we think you are as a passer, and maybe it doesn't even show up in the yards, but just in your passing touchdowns, right? There's just all these different ways where he's going to have a shot. I've got him right now at a little bit over 17 points per game. 
but I think he could be more like an 18 to 19 points per game player right out of the gate. I think it's also nice to know that Steichen has spent that time with Jalen Hurts, right? He's 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 managed an offense before that's around someone, and we're not trying to say that Richardson's going to be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has obviously come a long way from where he was his rookie year. Richardson's still going to have to go through a similar process. But again, with the rushing totals that we could get and the run-heavy nature of what this offense is probably going to be, I think it's just super, super difficult to see a scenario where we don't get at least that 750 rushing yards, which means that you're probably looking at a top 12 quarterback. And to your point, you're getting him later in drafts. We not look, it's not the way it used to be where this guy would be a 12th, 13th, 14th round pick back in the day. That's what would happen. Now drafters are up on this. Now this is also underdog, which is best ball. So that moves quarterbacks up because everybody wants at least two. But, you know, you're getting, you know, around pick 90, Ian. I don't know how much he's moved, like, but he's, he's usually right in that pick 90 range. I think that's a fine, I think that's a fine price on Richardson. And honestly, I don't, I don't even have to stack him. Like, I, I like to have a pass catcher with him, but it's not honestly a priority. I'm fine just grabbing like one of his tight ends at the very end of the draft in the last round, whether it's Jelani Woods or whatever, and just going that route versus having to feel like I have to have Michael Pittman. And the just spot where he's going again, overall ADP versus positional, it's so great too, because he's actually going closer to Tua and Dak than he is to Sean Watson, these other guys, which helps matters. And where he's going, he goes one spot after Evan Ingram. He's going after the top 40, 45 wide receivers, where I do think there is a bit of a tear break. And, you know, he's right there with James Cook and Devontae Williams. So you have a chance to get Richardson and then still have a couple of darts to throw at that RB3 range that we've been loving as well. So I did a similar, you know, volume rushing study as you did to try to just see like how often do these guys miss when they run as much as we were expecting Richardson to do and the answer is almost freaking never 13 of 14 quarterbacks with 125 plus carries in a season posted top 12 fantasy numbers on a per game basis so I am not just rewarding you know these 14 quarterbacks that managed to run and make it through 17 games per game basis when they're doing this guys they offer top 12 production the only guy that missed that was 2020 cam newton with the patriots where still finished as like the qb 17 which was surprising given he could not throw a <laughs> passing touchdown to save his life in that year not trying to slander cam One and early that year it looked like it was going to be great for him that like, seahawks game oh my god yeah. oh my god and just so you, i've got right now i've got richardson at 130 rushing total Let's rushing go. attempts so like i'm at 85 design rushing attempts and then Right now I've got, so I've got him and then the rest is all scrambles. Like, I don't know where my scrambles are in front of me. Like you mentioned in the oh, 45, 45 scrambles and the rest are design runs. So, yeah. I could change one relatively meaningless play from like the last three or four years. It would have been Cam Newton scoring on that final just attempt against the Seahawks in that game. I don't think it would have changed anything long term for game. anyone involved, <laughs> but such a great game. Oh my gosh, I miss it. Okay, before we turn this into a remember how great prime Cam Newton was, let's talk about the rest of this offense. Jonathan Taylor, Deion Jackson, Zach Moss making up the running back room. So with Taylor last year, man, he had to deal with the Colts, you know, 30th ranked scoring offense. The offensive line regressed. PFF only ranked them as their 18th best unit by the end of the season. And look, he went from being someone that wasn't catching passes, but a because of his ridiculous efficiency and the fact that he had 26 carries inside the five yard line in 2021 that got cut down to just eight last year in 11 injury riddled games so again it wasn't so much that i think taylor fell off a cliff as a player but yeah high ankle sprains suck and also when you're dealing with an offense rotating from matt ryan 
Sam Ellinger to Nick freaking Foles for a game, you know, in the year 2022 was not pretty, Dwayne. So I think a healthier version of Taylor is going to be great. Having Richardson to, you know, run the read option game. We've seen the past types of quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor, Mike Vick and all them. Yeah, we've seen them increase their running backs yards per carry because of having that extra threat in the game. The problem is what we've also seen. I know JJ Zacharyson did some good work on this recently as well. These dual threat quarterbacks, as much as you might get an extra uptick in their per carry efficiency, it doesn't make up for the loss of volume in both the goal line rushes and also in the past game targets. Whereas quarterbacks like Jared Goff are going to be dumping the ball down and just handing the ball off. Someone like Anthony Richardson is going to be scrambling and then factoring into that goal line equation in his own right. So it's not about... Taylor for me, Dwayne, he's a fantastic. If you want to say that he's still a top five dynasty back or a top five real life NFL back, I'm not going to push back too hard against that. But when I look at him right now, man, going ahead of Saquon Barkley, going ahead of Nick Chubb, going ahead of Tony Pollard, I think those are three really good running backs too. And I'm not so sure that I feel good prioritizing Jonathan Taylor's talent advantage over those guys when those other players are in better overall offenses. And especially, you know, looking at Pollard, I mean, I guess their quarterbacks are running around a little bit as well, but not to the same extent as Richardson. Why should we be drafting Taylor ahead of guys like Barkley, like Chubb, like Pollard, who I do think have a higher pass game floor and also are looking pretty good on the ground relative to Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I think you just have to get there on the rushing carries. You know, I think you still got a 300 carry upside for Taylor, but I am very scared of Anthony Richardson, you know, being, you know, getting all the push touch touchdowns, like what we saw in Philly uh, with Jalen Hurts, right? The league decided not to do anything about that, you know, this offseason. So I expect more teams to do it this year. And looking at the size that you have with Anthony Richardson, you you talked about that and like what a specimen he is. Like, I just, he's going to steal a lot of the rushing touchdowns. And I've honestly, this has been something and I haven't moved it yet, uh, but I've really been toying with just having Jonathan Taylor for sure below Nick Chubb because they, they actually rank some, they're very similar backs. They're both hyper, hyper talented in the run game. Two of the best that we have in the league today. You can make an argument. They are the two best pure runners that we have in the game today. Um, they're both better than Saquon Barkley. Barkley, though, to your point, he gets involved in the passing game. And then you also have Tony Pollard who gets involved in the passing game. Tony has never carried the full workload before, but hyper-explosive, checks all the other boxes that we want. So I get it. Um, so I don't have a ton of Jonathan Taylor. Um, and, and that's the other reason I've really just thought about moving him down my ranks, because when you're consistently just passing on a guy, and again, it's not because we think he's a bad player, but it's all the things that you mentioned, and JJ did a great job, to your point, outlining it as well. We talked about it, you know, in the previous episode with the Jaguars and Travis Etienne. We're like, well, what if he loses the passing down work? What if he loses the goal line work? That was due to other running backs on the team. It's the same thing here, but right, because of the quarterback that's not going to want to check it down. Um, you know, Taylor, I will say this, 65% route participation last year once you had Naheem Hines gone. So he's going to be on the field. He's still going to catch some balls, but it's just going to be one of those things when Anthony Richardson's going to be like, well, I could check it down to Jonathan Taylor or I can just take off. I have a feeling... A lot of times, Richardson is just going to take off. Jeff Saturday gave absolutely zero fucks as soon as he got that job, man. I think Taylor literally had like a 100% snap gain. He's just like, Jonathan Taylor, why would I ever take that guy off the field? So he did not hit 100, I lied, but he got to 94 and 92%, which was so far and above what it used to be. Now, that was when Hines was out of the picture, so maybe that does stick to an extent. But yeah, going to be a problem there. And final point here is... um. 
just about those dual threat quarterbacks. Even if we haven't seen someone like Anthony Richardson, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Bills, and even the Seahawks over the years have been these teams that have frequently had the high volume rushing quarterback. And those teams, Baltimore, again, over the past three years, 12th ranked scoring offense, the Seahawks seventh, the Bills second, and the Eagles eighth. Really good real life offenses. And they all rank bottom 11 in terms of their expected RB fantasy points per game because of all these issues we brought up. So again, it's nothing about Jonathan Taylor. Even after all those things I said, I have him ranked as my RB8. And that's going to be one of the lower rankings you're going to find with him. But again, I just think Chubb, Barkley, Pollard, and even Josh Jacobs, man, guys I would rather have because I think they, even if they lose a little bit in the talent department to Jonathan Taylor, not a given, especially with Chubb, I do think they have more than enough volume to make up for that. And at the end of the day, that's why I'm chasing more than anything in fantasy land. At wide receiver, Dwayne, similar sentiment here as how I kind of started the Titans section where we talked pretty much just about Traylon Burks because of the expected lack of volume elsewhere. So Josh Downs, you know, I've seen some of the training camp hype, you know, twitchy guy out of the slot. That's great. Alec Pierce, you know, someone that I believe I saw Yahoo Sports Matt Harmon call not too far off from what George Pickens can do, just in terms of like he's only asked to run deep comebacks and slants. And it's not the most polished route tree in the world, but the things he's asked to do, he can do well. That's all fine and dandy. Isaiah McKenzie is even someone that we have seen more so in a gadgety role, but at least flash a little bit over the years. But Dwayne, you said before the pod, you're projecting this offense to throw for 3,011 yards, not the type of group we should be investing major resources in the complementary pieces. So as far as late round darts go, okay, you already got Richardson. You want to add a downs. You want to add a Pierce or just, you know, you're at that point in the draft where a wide receiver 70 needs to go on the squad. That's fine. More than anything, don't, don't join. It comes down to what we think about Michael Pittman. Yeah, it does come down to Pittman, but it's even even with him, it's it's hard to get excited about what your upside scenario is in an offense that's going to run. And I feel very confident that the Colts are going to run this much, oh, yeah. like it because of the scrambling ability of Richardson. Now, the way that this changes, the way the the equation changes for Michael Pittman is if for some reason they decide Richardson's not ready and you get a year of Gardner Minshew. At that point, you will have been getting a value all summer on Michael Pittman. Um, but you know. Matt Harmon, super smart dude. Typically, whenever uh, you know he puts his stuff out, the data we look at also aligns with what he believes. And he's right. Michael Pittman's actually a good receiver. He's borderline wide receiver one worthy as far as a target share, you know, a target earner over the last three seasons um, when you're comparing him to the last three years of wide receiver ones, right? His air yard share borderline wide receiver is one. He had 30, he was at 30% last year. The average wide receiver one over the last three years is at 31%. Now, his yards per route run miss, but again, yards per route run is that's one of the data points that's the most influenced by your quarterback. If your quarterback is inaccurate, if your quarterback is struggling and you're not getting the ball, you know, out of your break, you're not getting led where you can then catch the ball and gain yards after the catch, it can be we love yards per route run, but it's more noisy, right, than your ability to earn targets. That's the one thing like the receiver has to do on their own. After that, the quarterback overthrows you or is inaccurate, those things can all impact like yards per route run and other, and other data points. So I agree with Harmon that Pittman is probably better than what most people give him credit for being. But in this offense, like the only path I see is Gardner Minshew um, taking over. Now, there are drafts where Pittman slides, Ian. That's the only way I've gained my exposure to him. I had, <laughs> I had a draft. Um, actually, it was a best ball mania draft. I was out doing my cardio club. And uh, I don't get these guys very much, but they all fell in my lap, like 12 picks past ADP. There you go. And it was, it was Michael Pittman. Then it turned around and it was Mike Evans. 
and then I'm trying to remember who the one was before. Oh, Mike Williams. Oh, who, I love the Chargers offense, but I'm like, man, come on, round four. Mike Williams has never shown us he's like worth a round four pick. Um, but they all slid basically a round pass ADP, and they're all three on the same team. So I'm gonna at least on that team, like I'm rooting for all these guys to just prove me wrong. I think he deserves to be in that tier, guys. I have him towards the bottom of that tier. But to your point, sometimes you're drafting and it goes the way that, you know, it goes. And then all of a sudden he ends up being the last guy there for you. And just the fact that we are as much in on Richardson as we are. And I agree, you can go naked with Richardson where you just don't stack him with anybody. But with Pittman, haven't been completely afraid of getting my shares there. Yeah, Uh, yeah, just the problem. Again, not exactly expecting Richardson or Minshew, unfortunately, to provide anything more than what Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger were doing last year. you're not trying to set up would be my point to the listener like is you're not going out of your way to draft Pittman so that you can come back and draft Richardson because the most likely way Richardson's going to hit and pay off your fantasy season this year is not going to be because he throws 20 touchdown passes to Michael Pittman right you're going to be hoping honestly to get like six maybe seven so if it works out right it's good but I never ever have the mindset of okay I'm going to get Pittman so that I could set up Richardson I'm much more likely to circle back around to one of the one of the other late people have finally wised up on Josh Downs I got him in the last round of a draft last you know like a couple days ago like that's where you can take a shot on Josh Downs you could take a shot on Alec Pierce Pierce may be the most interesting one Ian because really Richardson's a good deep ball thrower that's the area of the field that Pierce works and you know you're just basically looking for hey man dude give me like four spike weeks through the season and if i can stack that up with the couple of games where richardson just goes bananas like in both phases of his game like i, I like those stacks better they're cheaper and then you know the tight ends we'll talk about in a minute sadly i do think uh even though he's not someone's gonna factor in fantasy land wise but i do think when ashton Doolin's healthy out there they aren't quite willing to give pierce that full full-time role like when we did see pierce actually start flirting with that you know 90 90 plus route rate and things like that it did coincide with Doolin being out there Doolin did have that a uh, fun shadow room on trayvon Diggs and that uh cowboys Colts sunday night blowout uh but yeah probably enough talk here about these colts complimentary wide receivers i do have one more note dwayne I looked at because again this is the reigning 30th ranked scoring offense I don't think anyone would be surprised if they do again repeat as a bottom 10 scoring offense and I did look at the percentage of fantasy football finishers in PPR points per game that came from a bottom 10 scoring offense over the last 10 years and it goes running back tight end wide receiver in terms of like where we can see these positions still manage to put up good numbers and a bad offense so those wide receivers have been tougher to come by when the offensive environment as a whole has been at its worst Close things out here with the tight end room. Absolutely gigantic. I don't even believe that Jelani Woods and Mo Ali Cox like height and weight. These guys got to be pushing seven feet, 300 pounds. Don't believe everything you see on the internet, kids. But Jelani Woods, Mo Ali Cox, we also got Kylan Grants in there. They brought in Farrell Brown. They did draft Will Mallory on day three. I wouldn't be shocked with a new, you know, coaching staff thing that's going on. If we do see someone like Mo Ali Cox get released, you know, before the season ends up starting, which makes Jelani Woods the target here. That said, Dwayne, still someone you're going to have a tough time ranking, I would say, even inside the top 24, let alone the top 20. Hey, in best ball land, though, we need multiple tight ends out there and we need at least two on the roster. So even if Jelani isn't going to be factoring in to, you know, your redraft plans and your traditional 10, 12 team leagues, I do think being someone that, you know, before we all became obsessed with Darnell Washington, it was Jelani Woods posting similar incredible, you know, rise scores and things like that. And we actually saw him go out there last year and turn in, I believe it was two top five finishes at the position. So needs to get on the field. 
And maybe we do see Steichen say, hey, Jelani, you're the new Dallas Goddard. You're going to be out there all the time. I think that's doubtful. But he did flash a little bit in year one. And again, the physical and athletic tools are off the charts. So I have been sprinkling in some Jelani Woods in the later rounds. That said, Dwayne, when it's between him and guys like Hunter Henry and Noah Fant, I have a tough time pulling the trigger. So, hey. New, the kids these days, they want to have these four and even five tight end builds. I think that's a little bit extreme. But if you are going to go super late at tight end, I think, you know, Jelani is a perfectly acceptable dart as part of a three or four tight end build. Yeah, 17% targets per route run, 1.51 yards per route run, uh, touchdowns per route run, 1.4%. That That's something that can obviously be highly highly variable from year to year, but average depth of target 10.7. That's, that's solid for a tight end. 11% of his targets came 20 plus yards down the field. That's good for a tight end explosive target rate. So, so that's the receptions that went for at least 15 yards divided by targets, 25%. Those are all really good numbers. will only be 24.9 years old when the season starts PFF receiving grade of 68 as a rookie. That is a really good mark. So woods is the guy in the very last round, if I have Anthony Richardson, that I'm the most likely to throw that dart on. Because most of the time, we talked about downs earlier. He slid to me in one draft down there, and I took him. He usually goes sooner. Now, he's starting to slide more. People are wising up on downs and not taking him so soon. It took a little bit for the market to adjust. But Jelani is one of my favorites just because, number one, the talent profile, he did flash, to your point. He could end up being – he has a low-end tight end one talent profile right now. Now, that was on a small sample, but the other part is what you mentioned – like tight ends can be so random. So like if I'm going to have a team where I'm going to take multiple, like, and I've got Anthony Richardson, I'm just going to make Jelani Woods one of those. I still take him sometimes when I don't have Richardson. But the other thing is like just thinking through like how this offense works, Ian. And we saw it last year with Cole Komet for a period, right? Where you got Justin Fields leaking out, you know, or looking, you know, running this boot and what happens. You leave the tight end just wide open in the flat yeah. in the end zone with no one covering him. There's a lot of ways, like schematically, to get a guy like Woods if he can take that next step and separate himself from Mo Alley Cox. Even like 70% routes, 60% routes. Like if he could take that next step, I think he can more than pay off like that last round pick when you stack him with Richardson. He's not a priority to your point, but definitely someone you can still mix in even on your non Richardson builds. Moving us along to the win total set at a lowly six and a half minus 120 juice on the over. Now, even if the Colts were not the NFL's worst team in terms of wins and losses last year, they were in fact dead last in point differential at minus 138, rating 30th ranked scoring offense and the rating 28th ranked scoring defense. That's going to be worse. I mean, Stefan Gilmore is now in the Cowboys. Like he helped make some huge plays for them in the beginning of the season when they were actually still fancying themselves as at least, you know, an AFC South contender won that game against the Broncos, had that deflection that turned into a pick against the Chiefs. I mean, Gilmore was fantastic last year. He's on the Cowboys. Uh, Bobby Okariki is on the Giants. Yannick Nagwakwe is still an unrestricted free agent. The defense is still going to be really rough. And man, like when I remember this, like Cam Newton, smashed expectations as a rookie, like with just how pro ready he was. And he threw for like 400 plus yards in each of his first two starts, I think. Like crazy, wins rookie of the year, really fun time. And the Panthers went six and 10. So I think Richardson could smash expectations and they still finish under six and a half. So I'm taking under six and a half wins more so as a fade against the defense and the rest of this team coming around. I think it's going to have some really high highs for Anthony Richardson and probably some low lows as well. Ultimately, he is the only guy I see myself drafting heavily in fantasy land. Dwayne over under six and a half wins. Um, This is exactly where I would have set this line. Um, so 
it's like, I mean, Vegas knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there it's, it's, this stuff isn't perfect. Like when you look back at it, you'll definitely find things, you know, there are obviously hits and misses here, but I, I wouldn't want to bet this line either way, but if I was forced to do it, I would take the under. Um, I do think there's sneaky paths to hitting the over just because if they can just manage to keep turnovers down, you know, they're going to have an offense that could be on the field a lot, right? And they could just basically kind of do the Vrabel thing, right? Do the Arthur Smith thing. Just try to win these close games that come down to the end. Like, does the ball bounce your way? That's the thing you don't know. Teams like that that get lucky in a year, they'll win 9, 10 games. Teams where the, the same exact team performing the same exact way and a few of those balls bounce the wrong way for them, and they win five games. That's why these teams are so hard for me to pick because I think it really does come down to they're just trying to manage these narrow margins as coaches, and it can come down to luck. Like, the ball's not perfectly round in the NFL. Like, things just go weird. You know how it goes, Ian. Like, you played the game. So uh, it's it's tough for me to, like, pound the table for, e for either side, but I will take the under just given that we're dealing with the rookie and we're dealing with someone like, look, as much as we love Richardson and the upside in the run game, he had major problems as a passer in college. Yeah. Major. Not not just small ones. Like you can watch the film and you definitely can see the glimpses of, wow, this guy can actually do it all. He could be great. I saw him, you know, I read one thing was like, oh, all he does is throw lasers. And then I watched him just layering ball after ball <laughs> over linebackers. I'm like, wow, no, he doesn't just throw lasers. Like he actually, he can do it all. But cumulatively, this is a guy that really struggled with accuracy. And I don't know that we can just expect that to immediately fix itself. That's going to equal third down and longs that they don't want to be in. That's going to equal blitzes, pressure packages, turnovers. And I think those are going to be enough to ultimately keep the Colts under six and a half wins. I will say, Dwayne, I think we both feel best so far having gone through Jaguars and now the Colts. And I think the Titans over seven and a half is the one we feel best about betting. I, for sure. For sure. And, and it's honestly trusting Mike Rabel. Like some coaches yeah. really do matter. And Tannehill being healthy in this particular division. We could take the Titans and we could put them over in the AFC West and you and I would have different expectations. But we're talking about the AFC South, so it works. And with that, everyone, going to wrap up another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed another edition of our Team Preview series. You can find them all on our Team Preview landing page and article and podcast form over at FantasyLife.com. Don't be afraid to subscribe to our always free newsletter as well and our always free rankings from Dwayne, myself, and the rest of the Fantasy Life crew. So appreciate you guys tuning in again. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.